We're very, very glad to see each and every one of you here this morning. I hope that you will find the, it comforting to be here and be uplifted by the song service. I want to thank uh, David for that last song. It, it means a lot, and um, it was very moving for me. And uh, as you know, I've been more emotional in the past uh, year. And uh, some have said that's a good thing. <clears throat> I feel like it's a struggle. So bear with me on that. I want to talk about a subject this morning that uh, has been on my mind for a couple of different reasons. And... I want to talk, I just want to give you a brief synopsis of that because it puts some perspective on where I'm coming from. And I've spent a lot of time, I, it may not sound like it when we go through this lesson, uh, but at one point I had well over 100 passages and I knew that you didn't have time for that, so we culled it down a bit. So I hope it's not going to be too long, I'll try to keep it moving, but bear with me on that as well as it was very difficult to figure out how to narrow it down. Several years ago, we were working in our spring work here at the congregation, and uh, I came across a young lady that was having a lot of trouble in her life, had a lot of trials going on, a lot of bad things happening. And so I set up a Bible study with her, uh, hoping that we could make a difference in her life. And so I took someone else from the congregation with me, and I, I asked them to do the study, because I was a little unsure of the situation and I felt like they could do a better job than I did. And so we began this study with this young lady. And this young lady had piercings in a lot of places that back then you'd never seen before. Uh, tattoos partially revealed. Uh, but I certainly had never knew people tattooed like that in the United States. This, this was over a decade ago, so let's put some time on it. Uh, things are much different today. But as we were sitting in this Bible study, this was a different person. It's not, it was not someone that I'd had a lot of experience with people with these types of, of problems and these types of situation. And so we're sitting there doing this Bible study, and I'm being the Fred. I'm not saying anything. I'm uh, letting the other person do the, uh, do the study. And we're rocking along there, and you know, and I'm, I have no doubt that I was looking somewhat shocked and awed that she knew we were coming, and, and the things that she wore just didn't seem to me that she knew we were coming. <laughs> so anyway, there I was, and we're in the middle of the Bible study, and all of a sudden she says, I don't want you judging me. And boy, my ears perked up, my eyes got big, my face went to a thousand degrees I didn't know what to do and I wasn't even doing the study but I was freaking out and the person doing the study stopped and it went it just went absolute quiet and we were looking at each other and I don't think any of us knew exactly what needed to happen next we froze and here in a minute best to my recollection because I don't remember a lot about what happened after that it blew me out of the water so bad I think we just took off in the study again and we finished the study and she was pointing at herself and she said I don't want you judging me this is not who I am well the first thing that when I, the shock went away was well if it's not you who is it I mean that was just my automatic in my mind I didn't say it but I thought it well that has bothered me 
for a decade that, that she made this comment and I didn't know how to handle it. And so there's times when, I mean, I went back and tried to find this young lady to continue studying. Uh, her phone got disconnected. She was no longer at that residence. But, you know, I can't drive past that house in Plainview that she does not cross my mind. She vanished. I have no idea where she went, what she did. Uh, whether we had an impact on her life that was positive, I really don't know. But you know, she made the statement, don't judge me, this is not who I am. And so that, that affected me, and it made a difference. So let's roll forward to a few months ago, and I was talking to an individual, not here, far away from here, and we were discussing this idea of, of judging others. And this person says, why certainly we can judge others. And we had a conversation about that, and I posed some questions, and I tried to be tactful, but I wanted to see where this person was going. And at one point, this individual said, I can say with 100% surety that those that are not in the church are going straight to hell, and I don't mind saying it. He said, I wouldn't say it to them, but I, I don't mind saying it. Well, right there, you got a problem, don't you? If you wouldn't say it to them, it's probably not something that should be going through your mind, Right? So that caused me to start studying this, to have this discussion with this young man because of the stance that he took. And of course, we needed to define the church, and he had never thought about that. And so we began to try to define the church, and he began to waffle a lot on where he was going to draw those lines. And so... These two instances in my life brought about me wanting to study... And I've entitled this, A Study on Whether We Can Judge and Condemn Others. I hope that didn't take too long, but maybe you know where I'm coming from now. Now we need to uh, define judge. <clears throat> we use judge much different in our language than it was used in the past. Okay? We make decisions and we call them judgments. Certainly, we can identify things that are right and wrong, okay? So that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about a judgment that condemns or separates someone from those that are saved, those that are okay with God. That's the judgment we want to talk about this morning. Can we condemn others in our mind or in our actions, or in our voice. Are there examples in Scripture that we can find to understand where we should be on these things? And so I began to look for this, and I want to share some things with you, and it's not anything that's rocket science, it's probably not anything you haven't read, but I have never heard someone put these things in examples like this. So I want to share that with you this morning. If we turn over to Genesis, the fourth chapter, in verse 6, we find the story of Cain. Fourth chapter, in verse 6. And, it, and the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth, and why is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, thou shalt not be, shalt thou not be accepted. 
And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. And unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. When Cain had sinned and he had offered the fruit of the ground instead of a blood sacrifice to God, God came and had a discussion with him. Cain got real upset because his sacrifice was not accepted. And they had this discussion we just read. When Cain had sinned in his worship to God, was God angry? Was God loud? Was God condescending to Cain? Did he ultimately right then throw Cain into hell? Now certainly I think you and I would agree that God could have condemned Cain to hell. And certainly it would have been within God's absolute authority to do so. God chose to give him mercy and grace and not condemn him to hell. God had that ability. He could have done that with Adam and Eve. Instead of casting them from the garden, he could have condemned them for all eternity. Yet he chose to allow mankind to carry on on this, on this world. He gave them the opportunity to learn from their mistakes, to be forgiven through His mercy and His grace, and to follow through with a life here on earth. Now let's turn to Acts, the seventh chapter, in verse 57. It says, Then they cried out with a loud voice, and they stopped their ears, and they ran upon him with one accord, and cast him out of the city, and stoned him, and the witnesses laid down their clothes at the young man's feet, whose name was Saul. And they stoned Stephen, calling upon God, and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he kneeled down, and he cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. So here we have the example of Stephen, and he's giving his explanation to these Jews, and he basically gave them a history lesson, which quoted Scripture and pointed out the faults of the Jews. It also highlighted that Jesus, that Jesus was the just one, which had been prophesied about for hundreds of years. So it begs the question, did Stephen judge or condemn to hell the Jews? Or did he convict them with Scripture? I would put forth to you that he was sharing the truth with them. He was giving them the history of this thing. He was showing them that the prophecy had been fulfilled and Jesus was here. And he was the one that they had put to death. So did he judge them? Did he condemn them to hell or did he condemn them in his mind? those that were murdering him. Actually, it was quite the contrary. He prayed that God would not charge them with the sin of murdering him. Now, I want you to know that would be a tough deal, and I think it would be very difficult if someone was murdering me for me to pray to God, and that be my last words, asking for him not to lay that to their charge. Have you thought about that? I've read this lots of times, but have you really thought about Stephen as he's being stoned, he's being hit in the head with rocks, 
He's got one shot left to say something, and he doesn't cry out to his family and say, I love you. He doesn't think of all the many things that we might think of that we would want to do in our last and final moments. He prays to God that he lay not that charge to them. I would submit to you that it was not Stephen's responsibility to judge anyone. He was to preach Jesus to any and all who would listen, even at the point that it did not make them happy. It made them quite upset. It caused them to be enraged, and it caused them to murder him. But his job was to preach the gospel, to preach the truth from God's Word, and that's what he did. You know, I was talking to somebody one time, and they said, You know, Paul, there's a lot of different ways to deliver the Word and, del and share the message with others, and certainly Stephen was one of them. And you can be so bold and you can be so straightforward that you can die a martyr. Or you can have some tact and some wisdom and go about it a different way. Where you can have influence without having to die or be a martyr. I thought it made sense. They were not saying that Stephen was wrong. Certainly he was, he was doing the best that he could do and what he felt like he needed to do. But the thing we want to notice this morning is he was not judging those responsible for his death. Let's move on to 2 Timothy, the fourth chapter. 2 Timothy chapter 4, starting in verse 14. It says, Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil. The Lord reward him according to his works. Of whom be thou ware also, for he hath greatly withstood our words. At my first answer, no man stood with me, but all men forsook me. And I prayed, God, that it may not be laid to their charge. Notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me, that by me the preaching might be fully known, and that all the Gentiles might hear. And I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. And the Lord shall deliver me from every evil work and will preserve me unto his, his heavenly kingdom to whom be glory forever and, <clears throat> and ever. So here we have the Apostle Paul and he's went here and he's come in contact with a guy that got pretty nasty with him, Alexander the coppersmith. And he had withstood their words. He was against the truth that they were teaching to the point of, of being hostile. Did Paul judge Alexander the coppersmith? As we look here, we see that Paul left it to the Lord to reward him according to his works. Now a lot of times we feel like we have the right to condemn someone that's not treating us fairly. We feel like we have the right to condemn them for their evil acts. And yet when we look at Scripture... Many times, this is just simply not what we find. Did Paul judge or condemn those followers that forsook him? No. He asked God not to hold it against them. Certainly, he recognized that a wrong had been committed. But his reaction was much different than you and I. Have you ever heard the term, you threw me under the bus? <laughs> 
I was working with a guy the other day, and we were talking about something, and we were kind of talking about this landowner, and, and uh, then he, we turned right around, and what we had decided to do, he changed gears on me. And he kind of left me out in the wind. And I said, you threw me under the bus. That was my first word. He goes, oh, no, I didn't throw you. I said, yeah, you threw me under the bus. And we, had, we laughed about it. I wasn't angry. You ever thrown anybody under the bus? You know, Paul felt like he had been thrown under the bus or under the wagon or the ox cart or whatever term you want to use. But he asked God not to hold it against him. Did Paul feel extremely threatened in this situation? Absolutely he did. He stated that he had been delivered from the mouth of the lion, which we know refers to the devil. That's what he felt like had happened. He had been delivered from the devil. So as we notice this example, we notice that it was not Paul's responsibility to judge or condemn anyone. His job was to follow Jesus and spread the gospel. Well, let's look at an account of some of the other apostles. In Luke chapter 9, if you'll turn over there to verse 52. And sent messengers before his face, and they went and entered into a village of the Samaritans to make ready for him. Let's, uh, let's back up a little bit there. Um, verse 51 and it came to pass when the time was come that he should be received up he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem and sent messengers before his face and they went and entered into a village of the Samaritans to make ready for him and they did not receive him because his face was as though he would go to Jerusalem and when his disciples James and John saw this they said Lord Wilt thou that we command fire to come down from heaven and consume them, even as Elias did? But he turned and he rebuked them, and he said, You know not what manner of spirit you are of. For the Son of Man is not come to destroy man's, men's lives, but to save them. And they went to another village. James and John were ready to judge to literally condemn these people because of their reaction to Jesus. They were ready to rain down fire on them. You ever been ready to rain some fire down on somebody? Sometimes our temper gets the best of us, doesn't it? Sometimes we do cut loose. And certainly these James and John were no different. They were frustrated. They couldn't believe that these people were acting this way. And so they asked Jesus if He wanted them to just rain down fire. Take care of them. And Jesus chastised and rebuked them and said, You don't know what kind of spirit you are of. In verse 56, Jesus said, He did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. This was an important lesson for James and John. They had let their anger get the best of them. They had let their own judgment of right and wrong slip. And they had forgotten the mission that Jesus had given them. Would it be our right to judge the Samaritans if we had been there that day and seen what they had done? 
I would submit to you it was not James and John's responsibility to judge or condemn the men that were there, but to follow the example of Jesus and continue spreading the gospel. Another example in Jude, the ninth chapter. I'm not chapter, sorry, verse 9. Jude, verse 9. says, Yet Michael the archangel, when contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses. Durst not bring against him a railing accusation, but said, The Lord rebuke thee. So here we have Michael the archangel fighting with the devil over the body of Moses. And he said, the Lord rebuke thee. He didn't say, I'm rebuking thee. You're a sorry scoundrel. You're going straight to hell. All of these many things that would come through people's minds. This angel didn't dare do that. He would not bring an a, a railing accusation against the devil. Would it be alright for us to judge or condemn the devil if he were standing here today? Would we be within our right to just declare that the old devil was going straight to hell? Would that be okay for you and I to pass that judgment? An angel didn't believe he had the authority to do that. And I would submit to you, I believe Michael the archangel knew some things about the devil. I believe he knew that he had been cast out of heaven. I believe he knew who he was, that he was in fact the devil. And I imagine he had some idea of what was in store for the devil. And yet his mindset was not to take on a responsibility that God did not give him. But he took on the responsibility that God did give him. And that was to secure the body of Moses away from the devil. And I have no doubt that he completed that mission for God. What about Jesus Himself? Let's look at Matthew, the 8th chapter, and verse 28. It says, And when He was come to the other side into the country of the Gergesenes, there met Him two possessed with devils, coming out of the tombs, exceeding fierce, so that no man might pass by that way. And behold, they cried out, saying, What have we to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of God? Art thou come hither to torment us before the time? And there was a good way off from them, a herd of many swine feeding. So the devils besought him, saying, If you cast us out, suffer us to go away into the herd of swine. And he said unto them, Go. And when they were come out, they went into the herd of swine. And behold, the whole herd of swine ran violently down the steep place into the sea and perished in the waters. And they that kept them fled and went their ways into the city, and told everything and what was befallen to the possessed of the devils. And behold, the whole city came out to meet Jesus, and when they saw Him, they besought Him that He would depart out of their coasts. These, these demons made a statement, Have you come to torment us before the time? They knew there was a time coming, didn't they? But they asked Jesus a simple question. Are you getting ahead of time, Jesus? Are you coming before the time to chastise us 
to torment us. And then there's the swine. And you know, I've heard this all my whole life about these swine running into the ocean and dying. It never made any sense to me. But I never tried to figure it out. I just didn't understand why they'd jump in to the swine like that was a way out and then run out in the ocean and die. Isn't that strange? But if you read what happened after that, what was their purpose? What are the devil and his angels' purpose today? To draw people away from God? To cause them to lose their soul in eternal damnation? To cast doubt on the truth? What did they do here? When they killed these swine... They were continuing their assault on mankind and Jesus Himself. Jesus allowed it because it was not time for Him to judge or condemn. And this included these demons that were there that day. He didn't leave the demons in the, in the two men because they needed to be set free, didn't they? Do you think He didn't know what the devil or the demons were going to do? I would submit to you He knew it. And he knew there would be a price to pay for that. And the price was that these people asked him to leave. These Gergesenes, which uh, I didn't do a lot of study on, but I did check uh, just to see who they were, and it said that they were a tribe that was originally in Canaan and had been driven out when God's people went in. They weren't being ugly to Jesus. They came out and entreated him to move on. They were scared. They didn't know how to take that. They just didn't want to be a part of something that they didn't understand. But these demons knew full well that they had cast doubt on Jesus and on His Word. You see, Jesus was willing to take wrong again, even amongst these demons, even though He was the Son of God. And not to judge or condemn them before the time had come. Let's look at John, the 12th chapter, in verse 44. And Jesus cried and said, He that believeth on me, believeth not on me, but on him that sent me. And he that seeth me, seeth him that sent me. I am come a light into the world, that whosoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness. And if any man hear my words, and believe not, I judge him not. For I came not to judge the world, but to save the world. So here we see Jesus saying that there would be those that would, that would not believe Him. But He said, I don't judge them. Now if you read on down here, He gives an explanation for that. And I'm not ignoring that. I want you to understand that. But at this point, He said, If they don't believe me, I don't judge them. For I came not to judge the world but to save the world. Jesus was very clear about His mission while He was here on earth. Very clear about it. He made no bones about it that He was not here at that point in time 
to condemn. He clearly states his purpose and responsibility here on earth was to save mankind, not to judge the world. Jesus clearly stated our purpose and responsibility in Matthew 28. If you turn over to Matthew 28 and verse 19... He said, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. So he gave us the great commission. He told us to go out and spread the seed of the gospel. He told us to reach out to one another. He told us to love mankind and love each other. Not to be hostile towards each other. Not to... Uh, be challenging and rash and judgmental of people in their lives, but to love them and share His Word with them and cause them to want to know more about the Gospel and about Jesus Christ. So I want to look at some lessons we've learned from our study so far. When it comes to judging or condemning others, we have seen the following. God has the ultimate decision on where all men will spend eternity in His hands. On Judgment Day, He will give that responsibility to Christ. And we pray for His ultimate grace and mercy. But as we look in 2 Thessalonians 1, verses 7 and 8, it says, And to you who are troubled, rest with us, when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with His mighty angels, in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them, that know not God, and that obey not the gospel of our, our Lord Jesus Christ. So there will come a time. That time hasn't come yet, but there will come a time when Jesus will come back and He will be tasked with judging all of mankind, all of the world, including Satan and his angels. In John 12 and verse 48, He says, He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judgeth him. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. For I have not spoken of myself, but the Father which sent me. He gave me a commandment, what I should say and what I should speak. So he finishes up that thought earlier that he was not here to judge the world, but to save mankind. In verses 48 and 49, he recognizes that the words that he brought to earth, most assuredly, would judge mankind when it was time. We notice that Stephen, it was not Stephen's responsibility to judge those who murdered him. We notice that it was not Paul's responsibility to judge Alexander the coppersmith, even though he did him great harm. It was not his responsibility to condemn his followers when they forsook him. He prayed that God would not hold them accountable. It was not James and John's responsibility to judge or condemn the Samaritans. They were to follow Jesus' example and spread a message of hope. It was not the responsibility of the angels to judge or condemn the devil while contending for the body of Moses. The Bible clearly teaches it was not uh, Jesus' responsibility while here on earth to judge or condemn mankind, but to save mankind from themselves and their sinful ways. And so I submit to you that certainly there can be no doubt that you and I do not have the right to judge or condemn 
anyone because it simply is not a responsibility that God has given us. We may know circumstances. We, th- we may think we know everything about a situation. We may see the wrong in it. And we have the right to see the wrong in it. But if we pronounce judgment or condemnation, we have taken on a responsibility that God has not given. He has asked that we follow Jesus and His teachings and that we plant the seed of the gospel wherever we can along life's way. So I want to look at a few verses about judging. In James, the first chapter, in verses 19 and 20, it says, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, for the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. I want to to read that last part again, verse 20. It says, For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. One of the biggest issues we have with judging one another is that our frustration with other people and their sins will not bring about the righteousness of God. Have you ever thought about that? Man, I tell you what, people can make us so upset when we're trying to help them. When they refuse to do the things that they need to do to make their life better. To relieve the pain that they're living in, even though it's going to be a little bit painful while they have to go through it. Man, sometimes we get so frustrated. and We get so upset. And we just think, what's wrong with them? Maybe they just don't care. Maybe it's not worth our time. And maybe we think all kinds of things about that. But what God has asked you and I to do is to make the difference, is to show our love mingled with God's teachings and His love, and this will have the effect that God wants. We know that the Word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. We know the power of the Word is so powerful. And so many times, we feel like we need to be the one that helps it. We need to be the one that puts the power behind it. And the truth is, God Almighty has already done that. And He has asked you and I to share it with those round about us. And to help people. And care about them. And when they're struggling, pick them up. Help them. Not to simply condemn them and decide that they're not worth saving. We need to be very careful with our thoughts and with our actions. And we need to be willing to put ourselves out there, to risk, and to take a chance to help others as we have opportunity. In 1 Corinthians 4 and verse 5, it says, Therefore judge nothing before the time until the Lord come, who both will bring to light the hidden things of darkness and will make manifest the counsels of the hearts, and then shall every man have praise of God. You know, there's another uh, verse, I believe it's in Jude, that says some men's sins go beforehand, and others they follow behind. That's paraphrasing, that's not a quote. But what he's saying is some men have sins that are very outward, they're very public, they're very noticeable. And then there's some men that's got them tucked in their back pocket or under their coat or in the dark of night or maybe in their heart and their mind and nobody knows except God. And I would submit to you that 
God has said, I will take care of that. He says, I will make manifest the counsels of the hearts. You know what you and I are terrible at? Absolutely horrible at reading someone's heart. You ever tried to do that? You know, I've even tried to read my wife's heart sometime when she's mad at me, and I don't know. You know? Maybe I pushed a little hard. Maybe I might ought to sleep with one eye open or something, you know? We don't know the hearts of men. We hear about people just snapping and killing people all the time now. You cut me off in traffic. You know, it scared me to death. My daughter had a wreck here a while back. She was just driving down the road, and this guy eased over, and he sideswiped her car. You know what my first thought was? Why did you stop? Because she stopped, and she visited with the guy. And I'm thinking, he could have killed you. She's thinking, I want him to fix my car. Difference in perspective and age, isn't it? I wanted her to be safe. She wanted her car fixed. She wasn't thinking about safety. A lot of times that happens to us, doesn't it? Paul said there would be a time when the Lord comes for judgment to be made. In 1 Corinthians 11 and verse 31, it says, For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord, that we should not be condemned with the world. So there is some judgment that takes place, isn't there? And it's through God's Word. And how, what is the most important way that you and I use that? We take God's Word and we apply it to our lives. We point all those fingers at us. And we figure out what's wrong in our life. We figure out where we're at and where we're not at that we should be. And we make adjustments. We make changes. That's the most important thing you and I can do. Is work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. And then he says those that are more spiritually strong help those that are weak. You see, this, these are all your best friends right here in these pews. These are the people that are equipped with God's Word to help one another, to love one another, to care about one another. And how many times do we get in fusses and tussles about who knows what? Somebody said something cross, or somebody rolled their eyes, or somebody didn't shake my hand, or somebody didn't let me do what I wanted to in the fellowship hall, or whatever it is. All kinds of things that we get upset with each other about. And you know, the truth is, God said, you and you and you and you. He said, y'all need to help each other. You need to love each other. You need to want to be around each other. You want this to be your core part of your entire life. That's what God has asked of you and I. And He says, when you are judged, you're chastened of the Lord through His Word. He says the reason for that is so that we won't be condemned with the world. You know, there's just times we're just wrong. There just is. And I'm going to tell you something. When somebody's sitting there telling you you're wrong, you hope they do it the right way. But sometimes we don't know what the right way is. We're just trying to help. And maybe we don't say things the way we should. And maybe we don't do it the way you think we ought to do it. You know, I had somebody bring something to my attention uh, and, and needed, needed some correction on my part. And you know, my first thought was, boy, that was pretty harsh. They didn't use a lot of tact with that. 
But you know what? They were right. They were right. What they said was right. I just didn't like the way they said it. Did that change the truth? Did it make me less responsible to do what I knew I should do with the truth? No. The truth is the truth, isn't it? And so as we mature as Christians, I ask you to remember that when people are bringing things to your attention in your life that are not what they ought to be, if they're doing what God asked them to do, they're doing it out of love. First and foremost, they love you and they care about your soul. And if they're doing it out of love, then sometimes they just don't use enough tact and that's okay because the truth is the truth. And I ask that you remember that. I ask that you have mercy upon people that are in that situation. And remember, remember when someone rolls their eyes, they love you. When they sit in your pew, they love you. When they don't like the way you cut your mustache or your beard, they love you. We used to have someone that rode me pretty hard about that. They loved me. And I had to tell myself that every time I got chastised for my mustache. They loved me. And I know they did. So please remember that. And I want to notice the first part of that says, If we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. You know, when we're living close to God and when we're taking His Word and we're laying it beside our life and we're making adjustments every day, every minute, we're worried about being right with Him, we're focused on that day in and day out. You know what? If we were that way all the time, there wouldn't need to be a judgment, would there? Wouldn't need to be one. We'd be making those adjustments on a regular basis as hardcore as we possibly could get about it. But you know, sometimes we just let that slip, don't we? Sometimes we don't go at it quite as hard as we need to. And that's when the chastening of the Lord comes into play. A couple more, and then I'm going to close up. Well, actually, I'm going to close up. Uh, like I said, I had over 100. I culled down, and I want to leave you with this. In Philippians 4, verses 8 and 9, he said, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do. And the God of peace shall be with you. So the final thought of the morning... Let God give the increase even in repentance. There's times when we know people need to repent. There's times when we know that they're wrong in the way they're living. Help them. Love them. And let God give the increase. I'll leave the lesson of the morning with you. We don't know the hearts and minds of those here. I hope that something we have said made sense. I hope that maybe we've looked at some things in such a way that it would be clearer for you in how we need to conduct ourselves towards mankind, towards one another, and towards our God. We ask you to come forward.
at this time. If you have a need that the church can help you with, we're here for you. We want to be here for you. We love you, even if sometimes we don't sound like it. Please come forward as we stand and sing.